When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to a new year. And as we start 2024, I want to take a moment to thank all the wonderful people that are part of my Patreon group. I want to thank Sean Poole, Dave and Jennifer Van Ebers, Jeff Ulmer, Kimby Wiggins, Sylvan Groth, Yetta, Liz Brunson, Fernando Lozano, Steve Vansack, Randy Brown, Rob Barnett, Bella Pori, John Munson, Crystal Carroll, Alex Godward, Alex Samalti, Betsy Hodges, Stephen Malio, Liz Brunson, Holly Mack, Steve Rogers, Dale Hosack, Chris Bloom, Anna Lynn, Terry Smith, and of course, Mary Thomas. Thank you guys for kicking in a little bit of cash every month to help support the podcast. You are appreciated, and if you are interested in getting a shout-out during at least one episode a month and seeing unedited videos of every discussion, go to patrons.com, search for Set Lusting Bruce, and for as little a dollar a month, you can support the podcast. For as little as $5 a month, you can get unedited videos. And now, on to the show. So with Bruce, I think what touched me, because I was already into Queen, and I think initially it was just a live performance. So getting the, the Live 7585 box set, and then there was, a, at the time, there was a documentary um, uh, by a guy called David Hepworth, who, who's a, a journalist in the UK, and he did an interview with Bruce when he was promoting Live 7585. So I... I rec- I recorded that off TV and watched it okay. countless times. It's really amazing. And that was the, it was just seeing him perform and sing and his, just his connection with the audience was, I, I found was very similar in how Queen connected with an audience. everyone and welcome to a new episode of set lusting bruce your podcast all about bruce springsteen his music and mostly his fans i am your host jesse jackson joining me today is a friend and making us a timey wimey episode it is my afternoon his evening and alex welcome to the podcast thank you jesse good to be here i'm really really looking forward to talking to you yeah, where are you calling in from? Uh, Edinburgh in Scotland. Okay, nice. Yeah, usually I do these on a, it's my morning, Saturday morning, and my guest Saturday afternoon. So I almost said that without habit. Oh, my morning. But I was like, no, it's not my morning. It's my afternoon. So you're up late for me, and I appreciate it. No, that's no problem. It's only 10.45, so okay. we're good. Okay, very good. Tell us a little about yourself, Alex. So I've, I've just turned 50, about a week and a half ago. I've been a Bruce Springsteen fan since I was 14. I'm also a huge Queen fan as well. And yeah, I've been very fortunate to have seen Bruce 26 times. And I've been it's extremely fortunate because I think there's only two tours I've missed that I've been what your class is eligible for. Because I, I first saw him in Bramall Lane in Sheffield okay. in 1988. And I've seen him on every tour since, except for Broadway and Devils and Dust. Okay. He played one show, I think, if I remember rightly, at the Royal Albert Hall. Mm-hmm. I had a ticket for it. It was in my basket on Ticketmaster. And when I went to go and buy it, it had gone. 
Oh no! So, oh, we all um, curse you, Ticketmaster. So the, the curse of Ticketmaster. But I've been extremely fortunate. Okay. I, I, I really, I, I genuinely can't complain. I am really looking forward to going into the deep dive because you've you have previewed that you feel like Bruce and Queen have more in common than a lot of people realize. And so we are going to get there before the show's over. But I always like to start at the beginning. So tell me, where did you grow up? And what kind of music was your family listening to when you were younger? So I've grown up in Edinburgh. I had the fortune to travel around the world after I graduated from university. But predominantly, Edinburgh's been my home and still is. It's a lovely city, no, no question. And sort of growing up when we were kids, the artist that we, we that was heard the most in the house, probably the only artist, was Simon and Garfunkel. My mum was a my mum was a fan, and we must have played the concert in Central Park. We wore that. My mum must have worn that tape out, and it was quite interesting because my brother and sister had been over to their houses a couple of times and noticed both noticed that they since obviously we've grown up and we're older that we've all got copies of it because we loved it it was it was it was fantastic but my dad wasn't massively into music one of the weirdest facts I can say about my dad is when it comes to music I've never heard my dad sing a verse of a song I've heard him sing many courses but I've never heard him sing a verse <laughs> But music, I would guess the, the later on in teenage years, the influence of music came initially from my brother. So we were initially, it was Queen, and then we were into Dire Straits and a lot of middle of the road stuff. Because there wasn't really a scene going on when I started getting into music in the 80, mid 80s. So yeah, and then a lot of the rock bands, Guns N' Roses, Def Leppard, etc. But I, um, I was fortunate. One of my friends at school, he was a huge Springsteen fan and had been on at me for ages to that I should get into him, and I succumbed. <laughs> I succumbed when it was our local record shop in Edinburgh, an HMV. They had Live seventy five eighty on offer with Tunnel of Love. I think thrown in either half price or for free. So I bit the bullet and got it and that was the start uh so i always like to ask that question if you can remember when you discovered bruce and what about him spoke to you so you've touched on that a little bit but if you could expand why it spoke to you and then the other question i have is let's ask the same thing about queen so with bruce i think what touched me because i was already into queen and i think initially it was just a live performance. So getting the, the Live 7585 box set, and then there was, a, at the time, there was a documentary um, uh, by a guy called David Hepworth, who, who's a, a journalist in the UK, and he did an interview with Bruce when he was promoting Live 7585. So I, I, rec I recorded that off TV and watched it. Okay. Countless times, it's really amazing, and that was the. It was just seeing him perform and sing, and his just his connection with the audience was I, I found was very similar in how Queen connected with an audience. It was obviously it's in it's different in different ways, but it, it, there there is a similarity in how they go and how they go to town, and it, it's just extraordinary. And I think as well, what, what I asked connected me with Bruce, it was the music, it was the lyrics, it was the melodies. I love how that that both Queen and Springsteen both celebrate melody, they celebrate fun, but they also touch quite heavily on emotion, which is quite an unfashionable thing. Freddie in particular was a very emotional character, but... A lot of people might not be aware that John Deacon, the bassist, was as well, and and Brian because of their their childhood upbringings. And Brian was an only child, and and John lost his father when he was young. So I see the emotion. I see the emotion in Queen. You know, it it crosses over, similar to how Bruce is very emotional in his how he puts across his lyrics. Yeah. 
you you mentioned how many times you've seen Bruce. Were you lucky enough to see Queen live? No, unfortunately not. There's a there's actually a ter- there's actually a story in our house on this. Good. I used to deliver newspapers after after school, and the local newspaper had an advert to go and see Queen in at Wembley, so you could get an overnight bus. I think you were away for a couple of days, and it included a ticket. And I think it was something like 80, 80 pounds at the time, and this was in nineteen eighty six. And but unfortunately, my mum said, "Don't worry, you can't go. You're too young. You're only thirteen. I'm not saying you, you can't go all the way to London." And unfortunately, so she said, uh, "They all tour again," which unfortunately they never did because Freddie got sick not long after the end of that tour. So that was really frustrating. But I was lucky enough to be. I was in the front row for the Freddie Mercury tribute concert in Wembley in nineteen, which was fantastic. Have you seen with Lambert touring with him? Yeah, I went. I've only been once. I don't really. Uh, it's not really my thing. I went. And I'll be honest. I went and I enjoyed it. I went. I didn't go in with wanting to dislike it. I just went in and said, "I'm gonna. I'm gonna go in and enjoy this." And I did, but. I wouldn't go and see it again because Queen without, for me, this is the thing about Queen was when I was growing up, I saw, I got into them in the last six years that Freddie was alive and they were, for me, they were a four piece. Right. Brian, Freddie, Roger and John. So when Freddie died and John retired out of the music industry six years after his passing, as far as I'm concerned, Queen's gone, Queen's done. So it's not for me. My Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner. And Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. A couple years ago, we were going down to Austin and my niece, we wanted to meet her for dinner. And she said, hey, 
Austin City Limits, not the TV show, but the venue, is having a a Queen tribute band, and I don't remember the name. Uh, would you want to attend? And we said, yeah, that sounds fun, and we had a great time. It was the it was a show. The lead singer looked a little bit like Freddie. He certainly sounded similar to him. They did all kinds of costume changes. It was a fun tribute to them. And I don't know if I'd go again, though. I had a great time, but yeah. it was like, okay, that's that was fun. Or if I just yeah. happened to, like, I'm, I saw that Jason Isbell is going to be in Oklahoma City in January, and he's like the middle act in there's a civic center. And so I bought tickets immediately. I asked my wife, can I go? So same thing, like when Bruce announces the next show, I'm going to go. So I yeah. get that feeling, right? Like you as a fan, you want to see, I'm curious. And also I would be curious, are they, are they tarnishing the image, right? Are they... And I don't know how you felt about that. It sounds like, no, you felt like it's okay, but it's not Queen. I asked the hard questions here, Alex. If you got me on a rant about that's everything good. that's happened since 1991, which is what the year Freddie died, there's a lot of been a, there's been a lot of good stuff released, and there's been a lot of, but there's been a lot of stuff that's really not my thing. And okay. this is where, for me, Ticket Ticketmaster fiasco aside, this is where I think Bruce is leagues ahead of Queen in terms of how he has protected his legacy. He's been exceptionally good, and I think Expand that's one on of that the, a little bit. Expand on well, that. Well, I, th I think this is the thing. I think the thing that in 1991, when Freddie died, Queen stopped being a band and became a brand. So we've had, I don't know how much you're aware of the stuff that they've done. Obviously, they've had the movie, which was colossally successful, which I wasn't a, a particular fan of. They've done the, the musical, which, again, not my thing. They teamed up with Paul Rogers. And they've done, they had the statue in Montreux, which is where Freddie has had his, enjoyed his last days. So there's... Things that are, and that statue wasn't great, to be honest. But there's been a lot of other good stuff. But the thing is, one of the things that Bruce has been so good at is the fact that he has protected his legacy. He, he doesn't, for example, I don't know if you're aware, he doesn't have any music in adverts, which I think is fantastic. But just, you, you, it, they just had the first one this past year because Sony sold the rights, right? He right, sold the yeah. rights to Sony. And so there was one, yes, this is the first time that someone has used it. And I forgot that it was a tasteful commercial, but yeah, he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't lend that. And I don't know how things will change when, with now that Sony owns it, yeah. did he put that in there that says, as long as I'm alive, you can't make this. And then once I'm gone, you guys can do whatever you yeah. want. Or That's a that's an interesting thought, isn't it? Yeah, I think, uh, and uh, like what I said earlier, Queen became a brand. Yeah, Springsteen had Bruce hasn't become a brand, which is great. And if you look at all his the releases, he's very they're very they're it's almost they're not released for just getting release sake. There's thought that goes into whatever gets released, and I think that's I think that's com very commendable. Yeah. Because, when you see a lot of modern acts now, and it's such a shame, you turn on the TV and they, their latest single or maybe a single they released six months previous is already in an advert. Yeah. It, but this is the thing with Bruce. He's just, he, he tries to protect his legacy. And so, he's very, I think he's very, I think he's very aware about how he's portrayed and how he comes yes. across when he's very selective about what he does. Yeah. And, that's when I get upset, and I please feel free to share your opinion, but every once in a while, there are people on the online community, and it's a small percentage, but like the Covers album, oh, he's destroying his legacy. And I'm like, okay, you don't like the Covers album, you don't like the Covers album, but he wanted to do it, he did it, and he's having fun 
performing that album, why as a fan would you not want Bruce to have fun? You don't want to buy it, don't buy it. The it is there there is it does seem and completists want everything. And I think you could give maybe that excuse to the record company that has Queen's material that if you give them the benefit of the doubt, it isn't that they're trying to go for every cent. It's the fans want to see to be completest. They want to know everything. But there's yeah. a reason sometimes why things aren't released, right? It is just That's the right. product. Yeah. yeah. If you if you look at... Sorry, I'm just going off on a tangent here. No, please. please. <laughs> no, Sorry. My, my train of thought's gone. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. And you've talked about Ticketmaster, and yes, there were a lot of problems. I do think that Bruce did a... I think Bruce's team needed to hire a better public relations person because of John Landau going, eh, and Bruce, we're doing this. I He has a lot of money, and there are things. And I also think John Landau was the only person on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that actually put out a statement saying, I supported Jan White, John Wiener um, yes. because of my his long service. And I'm like, no, that's a bad, you, that's, you, you tell that to your friend one-on-one. I do not think... Is this what's going to happen when we get old, Ben? We, we start losing the plot a bit. <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe a little bit, Alex. I don't know. I don't know of anything. And when I see these people that are, I, I do not know if there's anything Bruce can do to destroy his legacy. Phil Spector is a despicable human being, and you have, and there is a lot to be said for how do you separate the art from the artist. I'm a huge. Buffy the Vampire, Angel, Firefly, everything that Josh Whedon did, I adored. Now then, he is is found out he is not a very good person. And so you're like, how do you separate the art from the artist? I can't think of anything that Bruce has done. And even when he got arrested for drinking, right? It yeah. was because he was drinking. So yeah, I... So far... Yeah, that doesn't really get... That's, that's been forgotten about, which is quite nice yes. I, yes, I, mean, I think yeah. i think this we're going to probably talk about it anyway so yeah. we may as well talk about it now is the it, obviously the price of the ticket so yeah i've been very fortunate that i've never had to pay over the odds apart from once to go and see him live with um, 100 euros to see him in badalona in 20, 2006 on the seeger sessions tour because i couldn't get a ticket and i was in barcelona at the time but this last tour, I've paid full price, or the asking price. I haven't been in, I haven't been a victim of the dynamic pricing, which yeah. I think, in fairness, I think in the US it's been the actual, the dynamic pricing has been a lot worse than I think, and than it was than it has been in Europe. It's not been great. Don't get me wrong. We're still, yeah. we're you, you guys have been. Well, I've been hearing four figure sums. Yeah. Over a thousand dollars, two thousand dollars for a ticket, where you were seeing tickets for Edinburgh for going for about four hundred, four hundred and fifty. Yeah. But, and unfortunately, uh, what I said right after this started is unless everyone gets to go to the show they want to go to in the section they want to attend at the price they want to pay they're not going to be happy yeah. because there have been times when we go, like, Oh, you wanted to go to this show. There are tickets available. I'm not paying a hundred bucks to sit in nosebleed. Okay. Yeah. That's your choice, but you can't say there's not tickets available. Mm. Right. Or I'm not going to pay $800 to be in the pit. Okay. That's yeah. your choice, but you can't say they aren't available. It is in, and it is just supply and demand, and a lot of people want to see Bruce Springsteen in the E Street Band. And that while we're on controversy, what's your thoughts on the somewhat static set list? I'm okay about it. 
uh, because I've gone, we've been spoiled, particularly from 20, 20, 2012 to 2016. Those two tours, in fact, I think the Magic Tour possibly as well. Once the signs requests started coming in, it took the E Street Band to a whole nother level. And Bruce as well, because he then just pushed the envelope further in terms of you were seeing, you were reading about shows and he's doing three hours, three hours 40 tonight. And then, oh no, he's done three hours 50. And then before you know it, he's at four hours and 15, whatever it was, I think. So we were really spoiled. Yeah. And seven years has passed since he last, since he previously toured, which is a long time. Yeah. And I'm actually okay about it because what I liked about the shows was it was just one after the other, bang, there's no hanging around, which is totally different. And it's this whole evolution that Bruce always does. Bruce always evolves, evolves everything. He never, similar to Queen, never does things the same. Might do, uh, if you look at Queen, they do a couple albums that are similar in theme and then they move on to something else. And then it's it's the same with Bruce couple tours are similar and then he moves on and does something different or it might even be a single tour and then all of a sudden that's what I really I'm not as frustrated as a lot of fans are because the guy's 70 74 now yeah he's not going to be around forever this we all keep saying it could be the last it probably is in terms of big tours yeah I think it probably is so let's enjoy him whilst we have him because what he does in that three hours is still ten times better than what a lot of acts can, a lot of artists can do. Yeah. If I had one criticism about it, it's maybe not necessarily the, the static set list, um, but unfortunately, what you were one thing I did notice was you could almost you could when you were seeing him and you're watching him on YouTube, you could almost picture exactly where he was going to move to on stage by what song he was playing. So you know okay. where he's going to base himself. Okay. So there was a lot less looseness that there is in previous tours. Yeah. But we don't know what he's going through as a human being, and, and it must be really tough for him to do three hours now. And we now know that he had that septic ulcer. So, yeah. wow. The other, I did, you, your smile made me remind, I, I read a joke the other day, husband, I'm really going to go to some extra shows this year because this could be the last Springsteen tour. Wife, that's the shit you told me in 2023, that he is never going to die. Yeah. It is. I think of my grandparents. My mom would say, your grandparents are getting older. They really want to see you for Christmas. This might be the last year they're there. And we would joke, I've been hearing that for 10 years. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. In... I want to, so let's get into it. What is, what do you think Queen and Bruce have in common? You've already talked about emotion and them reinventing themselves, but share some of the other reasons as being a massive fan of both. What do you see them in common? So you've got, okay, so there's some coincidences to begin with. So these aren't necessarily massive things, but they both released the first album in 73 they had their biggest, they had their breakthrough album in 75, which is Bruce with Born to Run, Queen with the Night yeah. of the Opera. And they also both had, obviously, the struggles in their early career. They both had management issues. Queen's issue was with their production company. They didn't have a, an actual manager at the time. It was, two, it was two brothers that looked after them by a production company, which caused whole load of problems financially for the band. And by the time they came to make A Night of the Opera, which had Bohemian Rhapsody on it, they were skint. They had no money and this was make or break. And then obviously Bruce had the same issues with, he had similar issues with Mike. Is it Mike Appleton or Mike Apple? I try, I can never remember. Mike Appel. It's Mike Mike Appel, Appel, sorry. Mike Appel, big one. Which they both got over. And... What you saw with when you actually follow their careers in terms of they they both had this mid 80s peak 
For Queen, mid eighties peak was probably in Europe, but they were Queen were the biggest band in nineteen eighty, yeah, um, and eighty eighty one, uh, and it was similar with Bruce. He just he, they have this. It's a slow burn. He has um, he really releases darkness. It's not a worldwide smash, but the river obviously is because it's got Hungry Heart as a single, and then Bruce goes off and does Nebraska. In the same year, Queen went off and did an, uh, a half a dance album called mm-hmm. Hot Space. So the first side was dance music, the second. So they're both going off on tangents, and then they release the breakthrough, the, the album that really takes them to another level. Bruce yeah. was born in the USA, and Queen released The Works, which had Radio Gaga on it, Want to Break Free, etc. And they, by this point, they were just... They were so big. They did real and played to a quarter of a million people. You you watch them grow. You watch the two of them grow as artists on a, a lot slower level, but it's it just keeps going and going. And they're both very well-renowned live acts. Mm-hmm. If you think of Queen, you think of them as as a live as as a this phenomenal live art live act as you do with Bruce. They both give so much to their audiences. I think it was Brian that said that whenever they came to town, they wanted to own that city or that town for the for that day or night that they were there. They wanted yeah. to own it and give as much back as possible. And you can see that with Bruce as well. I remember that in that documentary that Mike Mike Hepworth done, where he interviewed Bruce and he said he asked him, "Did you get bored on that tour?" He was talking about born in the USA. You toured yeah. for eighteen months. You must have got bored. And he says, when eight o'clock comes around, there's always somebody new that wants to see you. So you've got to be there. You've got to be rocking. Yeah. It's a similar it's a similar attitude. You never, it's so rare you will not find a Duff Queen gig. They didn't do ma- nowhere near as many live shows as Bruce done, but the shows that they done, they really gave everything. And, and you won't find many show that's not professionally, mm-hmm. professionally done. That's one of the things I I loved about them. And obviously the unchanged lineup, they stuck together. They're very supportive of each other, extremely supportive of Freddie when he was dying. And I'm sure that whilst Bruce did, I'm sure Bruce would have been the same with Danny and Clarence. Yeah, was. And I think one of the things I really wanted to, when they announced that, Bruce was going to do this autobiography. I was really curious if he was going to talk about releasing the band and that those dark years. And I thought he addressed it really well. And they remained friends. They remained close. And then they came back and even stronger. And I think he's talked about that. And Stevens talked about that, that the time apart helped them to be better as to appreciate each other and to know each other more And I truly do not know. I I think they will want to tour as long as they can. I think physically they will reach the point where they can't. But I think they're right now just having a blast. Oh, definitely. And and you can see it. You can see that they're they're, they're absolutely loving it. Um, And to to, to be able to... The other thing as well is we we all know they're getting on but they never make a mistake on stage. They're so precise. You never hear Roy doing a wrong key on the piano. And likewise with Stevie on guitar. It's just, it's phenomenal to see. And what I love about it is when Bruce does make a mistake, he laughs. Yes. He always laughs. He, yeah. he doesn't. That's another thing that, that Queen and him have in common. They don't take themselves too seriously. Absolutely. Yeah. And, one of those what ifs is if Freddie had not gotten sick, you wonder what would have that band done? What would they have done to grow? I think in a lot of ways, that's how we're blessed that we have seen Bruce do Western stars, totally different style letter to you, which is I think amazing. And then the covers album, which was just fun. So to be in your seventies, and to put out three albums, all incredibly different, is just to be really admired, I think, as, as someone who's a huge fan. 
Yeah. Yeah. I like the fact that he's got to that point in his career. When we were growing up, chart positions was everything. Where your record was, and I don't think ha- you. I, I would wonder if half of them actually bother checking now, yeah. even after the first or the second week. They're not bothered. He's just doing, he's making music that he wants to make. And I, and I think that's, uh, I think that's great. You know, yeah, I, and, I, and, and, and all credit to him. Yeah. What I found interesting is, I don't know if you've read Warren Zane's Delivery from Nowhere, The Making of Nebraska. I've ordered it. And okay. it's never arrived. <laughs> okay, hopefully you will get it. But one of the premises, one of the facts that I thought was interesting is Bruce has never been someone who asked about sales, but he asked about sales with Nebraska. And really? Warren's theory is because he didn't tour, he couldn't tell how the music was being taken. And right. so that's why he was a little more interested in that. I think you'll love the book when you get there. It reads like a mystery. It reads why when you have reached your heights so far, you take a step backwards. And then how important of that step backward was for you to go even higher, which yeah. you similar said the same format with Queen, right? They yeah. take a little bit of step backwards and then reach to new heights. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's... That's I think that's the thing I love. I, I I love the two of them for that. They're making the music they want to do. They don't care and to a degree. They're not following the what's expected of them. Bruce does the River album. It's a double album. It's a lot more commercial sounding. Uh, it's more accessible to yeah because of Hungry Heart and the river, obviously. Yeah. And then he goes off and does a two-year tour and then comes back and then does Nebraska. Yeah. Similar with Born in the USA, becomes the, he becomes this most successful. It was him, there was Michael Jackson and Madonna and Prince. And he's not doing what it's expected of him. Two years later, he goes and does Tunnel of Love. Yeah, it you know, is. It When you think about it, that... The idea that peak Tunnel of Love in a lot of ways is a very personal album, and it's one of my favorites. So the idea of him doing that is just pretty cool. And I agree, that's it's really nice. Let's talk about favorite albums. Are there, obviously, the quick answer is all of them, but if you had to pick an album or two from both artists... Are there ones that you go to consistently that are on the rotation? Yeah, Born to Run. I know it's the I know it's the obvious choice for a lot of people, but it is for me. Yeah. I love every single song on that album, particularly now after the tour. Backstreets, I think for you yeah. read this online as well, that Backstreets in particular has you know, it's brought on a whole nother meaning for a lot of people, including yeah. myself. Uh, so yeah, the Born, Born to Run album, The River. That was all. That was uh, the River was always my favorite growing up. I must admit, I was I found it difficult with some of the other albums that were what you might class as less as accessible. The first two albums, in particular, Nebraska as well. But I've grown to absolutely love. And obviously the new material, I loved the, I think Wrecking Balls is very underrated. Western Stars, my wife and I absolutely adore that album. We play it all the time. And likewise, we play Letters to You as well. Yeah. We, Letters to You was released not long before my wife's mum died. And we played I'll See You in My Dreams at Our Funeral. Yeah, uh, we were choosing songs to actually play, and I'd suggested this, and it was, and I played it to her dad, and her dad said yes straight away. He's not a music fan. Yeah, a massive, he was a massive music fan, but he said yes straight away because he heard the the word. So yeah, they're they're all really personal, but I guess it's they've all got memories now because you, we, I bought them all on the week or day of release. 
and yeah, there's not many that I I, I don't play very often. I I guess Lucky Town is possibly one I don't no is it yeah Lucky Town is the one I don't play that often. Okay. There's certain songs on the rising I'm not a massive fan. Same with the what do you call it the album with Outlaw Pete on it. It's okay, yeah, just yeah. Uh, working on a dream. Yeah, working on a dream. Yeah, which is it's still okay. It's good. Yeah, I, in sure. fact, actually, my lucky day is actually we used as the music on our wedding video. Uh, one of yeah. three songs that we used on our wedding video. So it's not all. It's not like it's all bad. It, yeah, I still mm-hmm. enjoy it. There's no. There's definitely no one album that I never listen to. Yeah, you know, I, I, will, I will listen to. I will listen to them all. Yeah, and, and, and for Queen. Oh, Queen! Anybody listening right now that wants an introduction to Queen and out, out with a greatest hits, I would highly recommend Queen Two to News of the World. Yeah, you've got Queen Two, She Hearts, that Night of the Night of the Opera, Day of the Races, and News of the World. They are all perfect. Uh, there is not one bad song on those any of those albums. The first album is good, but the, it, it, it struggles on production, and then. Unfortunately, after News of the World, all the albums, they're all, there's always good stuff on it, but they never, for me, they never reach that height, mm-hmm. like, like what they did on those. But nobody does. Yeah. Artists, all, all artists have mediocre, mediocre, bad albums. That's the way it goes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I graduated high school in 1977. So I remember buying News of the World and absolutely enjoying it. Queen was on the radio a lot. I love the game. That's um, a great album. Yeah, it's just, the game it, is it, yeah, it just it's a little bit different, but so much fun. Just a fun album. And uh, Dragon Attack is just makes me smile every time I hear it. Yeah, that the, the bass on Dragon Attack is just that's John Deacon at his finest. Yeah, just incredible. Um, yeah, it is. It's a shame because there's a lot of people that go and see Queen now and don't know a life beyond Greatest Hits or Greatest Hits Two, or right. And there's so much, there's so much to explore. Yeah. So, two or three years ago, I had a guy on the podcast that does a Bee Gees podcast, and yeah. he talked about that. I said that we had this in common that when someone tells him they don't like the Bee Gees, his first question is, have you listened to anything besides the soundtrack to Saturday Night Fever? And when someone asks me, when someone says, I don't like Bruce Springsteen, I go, have you listened to anything besides Born in the USA album? Because while both iconic albums, that there's so much more. Right. Queen is so much more than Bohemian Rhapsody, which is a classic. It is absolutely beautiful. And when you hear that, you know it immediately. I just love somebody to love. I just love telling, but I adore the energy and the fun of that song. Right. I just think it's put together beautifully. They are a band that it feels like they worked really hard to make good music and they, they wanted worked, to make good music. They worked extremely hard and frustratingly as a fan for the last six years of that Freddie was alive, the frustrating thing of being a fan was they didn't get enough recognition while Freddie was alive. Yeah. All that recognition is a lot of the recognition has come after he passed away. And this is where, coming back to being a Bruce fan, this is where I get I, I've got a I've got a love hate relationship with Rolling Stone magazine because Rolling Stone absolutely loved Bruce and he was on the front cover God knows how many times and they absolutely detested Queen so I, that I find frustrating. I also it was also frustrating being a Queen fan growing up and being a Bruce Springsteen fan because. You, when somebody tells you their musical tastes and they say, oh, oh yeah, I'm into Bruce Springsteen, I'm into The Who, I'm into The Rolling Stones, Pearl Jam, you can almost guess that if you say to them, oh, yeah, and, and they ask you, oh, who do you like? Yeah, all of those plus Queen. And they, and they just bulk at the idea. You ask, you know, because they, 
And then, unfortunately, it takes for Freddie to die. It takes for Wayne's World to happen, and all the other stuff that's happened for people. Go, yeah, they were actually pretty good. And I'm, and as I've said many times, where were you for that six-year period when I was telling you all how good they were, and you're when you've and it's, it's taking you that long to realize. Yeah, absolutely. so it was very frustrating, particularly in America. They never got a Grammy for anything. I think they got a Dick Clark and they just never got the recognition. It's a shame because they lost America. They lost America in the 80s almost as soon as the, the game was the game tour was finished because uh, the, the big thing was obviously the, the them dressing up in drag for the I Want to Break Free video and various uh, a couple of other controversies. The main one, which I will not defend them for, which is going and playing in South Africa during the apartheid years. So by that point, but they were huge elsewhere. Yeah. They were huge in, huge in the state, uh, sorry, in South America, in Europe, Australia, Japan, everywhere but America in the 80s. What, you know? what is fascinating to me is that how that happens sometimes. I have a buddy, a couple buddies who love the Tragically Hip, which is a band yeah. that is adored in Canada and right, yeah. got nothing in America. And so he uh, he joined me to talk Springsteen. And so then I listened to about a dozen Tragically Hip songs. And I was like, how did I not find this band? They're really good. So, yeah, you would think that it is just odd how because the work's still there, the quality is still there. But just for some reason, tastes change. And yeah. I think the big thing for an American Queen we're seeing is this macho band. And once Freddie grew the moustache and he had the, the leather caps and, and he wanted to look like an, a gay icon, America couldn't handle it, unfortunately, because it's America's a lot more conservative than whereas the UK, Europe and other parts of yes. the world are more cosmopolitan. That's yeah. just the way it goes, and unfortunately, that's that's one of the things that that, that killed them over there, which is a shame. Yeah. But that's that's life. Yeah. So, Alex, is there anything I should have asked you that I haven't? Check your notes. By the way, that's a private. That is a inside joke. Alex had said he had notes before we started, and I told him I'm going to ask you that. And my guests are going to always look at their notes and go, did I forget any stories? Yeah, I, th I think it's just, we probably haven't, what does Bruce mean to me? I, I talked about it, but didn't go into it. But I just love the fact he's a really likable guy with principles yeah. that you can identify with. And he didn't follow the crowd. I love his compassion towards people who are less fortunate. You take the board in the SA tour. He is the one of the biggest stars on the planet at this point. But you listen to any bootlegs and he's talking about asking people to support food, uh, there's the LA Food Bank in tonight or there's, there's this charity or that charity. Yeah. And, and it's a very unfashionable thing to do. So he's got this, he, he just got this compassion for people that are less fortunate and he hasn't forgotten his roots. I don't actually buy the fact, a lot is made that he's partly, he speaks for the blue collar worker. For me, he doesn't talk just for the blue collar workers. He talks yeah. for everybody. Yeah, I agree with that. And I know that it's easy to criticize from some, he's a millionaire times over, what's he know? But I think you never forget your upbringing. And if you were that poor when you were younger, that sticks with you. Also down South, one of the worst insults you can give someone is they forgot where they came from. And I don't think he's forgotten where he came from. He understands and embraces not only his roots, freehold and in a small town, but also the rock and roll roots and the soul roots and the rhythm and blues roots of his music. Yeah, I think he is, he continues to do that. And I love the fact that even this last tour, there will be a point where he says, there are people from the North Texas Food Bank here in the building. If you've got it, they are doing frontline work. And if you got a little bit, help them out. And I just think that's crazy. I think that's just, as you say, something to admire in something. Yeah. Much like 
I think he, he wanted to be a rock and roller, but he's learned from history by not becoming a rock and roll cliche. And he's avoided all the the, the rock and roll cliches, the, the main one being not dying at 27, yes. <laughs> becoming part of the 27 club. Yeah. Because he genuinely loves what he does. He walks the walk and he talks the talk. Yeah. Um, and I just love the fact he just ever. I just love how he just does everything differently. He does. He doesn't have an elaborate stage show, and what I mean by that, he doesn't have a big light show and yeah, and video screens and everything, and all that yeah. sort of stuff. It's all very measured and relaxed. So there's no elaborate stage visuals. It's just him and the bands, and it's just him talking to you. Much like what Freddie did, he could communicate with the back row of Wembley Stadium. Springsteen can do the same thing. Yeah, one of the other things that I love the fact that when my son Chris went to his first show, it was in Oklahoma City on the Second River Tour, and we were driving home the next morning, and he's, Bruce doesn't mess around, does he? I said, what do you mean? He said, a song ends, he counts down, you're at the next song. He said, you've got to be ready. If you're that band member, there is no, he says, there's no banter between, there's no, you just go to go. And he's right at three hours, like two hours, 50 minutes this tour. And I said, if he just took 30 seconds between songs to tune guitars, it would go over three hours. It is just. Yeah, but that's what I liked about this tour, particularly. It is just yeah. one, one it's bang, bang. But if you go back to the 80s, the 70s, and you watch yeah. any shows, yeah. you know, there's the, there's the onstage banter, there's the, yeah. the laughing and joking, the, the bear story from the mid-80s yeah. uh, from the USA tour uh, during growing yeah. up. Yeah. yeah, It goes on for ages. So, yeah, there's... Um, it's just it's it's fantastic. One thing we didn't actually add, you're asking what, what shows are we going to next year because they I must yeah. be one of your first guests yeah. that have come on since the, the the shows have been announced for next year. We're doing Cardiff. My wife and I are doing Cardiff um, yeah, Stadium, and we're going to Prague in, in the Czech Republic. We're just doing two because doing a show is doing a Springsteen tour is not cheap. Yeah. No. Good. Yeah, I love that. That's, yeah, I have not booked tickets yet for 2024. I'm waiting to see what other shows they're going to do and then strategically pick my time. This is amazing. I've had so much fun. I feel like we could keep talking for an hour. Any final thoughts before we get to the Mary question? No, it's been fantastic. It's been good. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, Yeah. One thing actually is we go back to Queen and Springsteen. I have no idea if if Bruce likes Queen. I've yeah. never heard him ever talk about Queen in anything. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe he'll, when he was Australia, he was doing all those cover bands. He did Staying Alive. So who yeah. knows? Maybe sometime he'll surprise us with a, he did a Van Halen cover. Jump, yeah. so maybe he'll surprise us and they'll do something that'd well, be amazing on, on this tour there's two songs that are quite relevant that, that, yeah. that he could do. one spread your wings from news of the world which you might remember because that's a song in that's sung in character a very rare thing for queen to have done um and also there's a song that you might know or might not it's called these are the days of our lives Okay, I don't I'll know if check you're that. No, I do not. You can check it out. It's it was written by Roger, and it was written about his kids and you know him looking back on his life, and but the the whole song took on another meaning when Freddie died because it was the last video that they filmed, and hmm. right at the end of the the video, Freddie says, "I still love you," and he gives this arm wave as if he's saying goodbye to the fans. And when you see something like that and you see what Bruce does when he pays tribute to Danny and, and Clarence yeah. and, and obviously the theme of what he's singing about, mm-hmm. that wouldn't that, that song wouldn't actually that song wouldn't look out of place if he put it in the set, but he's not likely to. And also it's not a high register because singing a singing phrase yeah. is not easy. <laughs> All right. I love that. 
So if you've listened to the show at this point, it's the merry question. Jay Armstrong, who is an honors English teacher in the Philadelphia area, now retired. But when he was teaching, he was give his students the uh, lyrics to Thunder Road. They would discuss the imagery, the uh, themes Bruce explores, and then would ask his class, does Mary get in the car? Alex, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? Bruce's Bruce's glass is always half full. It's never half empty. Mm-hmm. I can imagine him standing there or or with his arm outstretched. And I can't imagine Mary not going, no, nah, okay. I'm not gonna bother. I love <laughs> so of course she gets it. <laughs> no no question. It's and then obviously the the, the sax kicks in and it and it's just yeah. you you've just got this image of the car just driving away in the distance and she's in she might have her head out the window or whatever but yeah yeah of course she climbs in can i just say actually that version of thunder road on the tour when the horn section kicks in oh my god every single time yeah it's amazing hairs stand up oh i wish they could actually i wish they could just do it a couple more times because it's too short yes absolutely but it's yeah it's, it's phenomenal so let's do this again. Maybe after the shows this uh, oh, lovely, yeah. summer, you can come and give me a thing. If you think of anything else we need to talk about, just reach out to me. If someone wants to reach you, what's the best way, Alex? I do. I'm on Twitter. That's, or what's it called now? X, X I think. Yes. But um, yeah. and I'm, and I'm, on, I'm on X. And I, one of your previous guests, Paul and Kim, who are on i follow them and i follow there's a, there's a few others that, that i follow yeah. you can find me on you can find me on x it's at sma 695-67845 or alex small super and i will include that in the notes alex be, thank you for staying up late to see visit with me i hope you have fun yeah. I, oh, absolutely. I, it's too, can I just say it's two of my favorite subjects. I could talk all night. <laughs> <laughs> we will have you on and do that again. But for Thank now, you. follow Alex on Twitter. Let him know you're listening to the podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Remember to be safe, be kind, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Bye. There we go. Another episode. I'm about to go through a couple of things where you can reach me and give me feedback. Um, so if you want to skip this, I understand, but I do hope you check it out every once in a while. I'm available on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is available at setlustingbruce. You can send me an email, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You can send me a voicemail at 469-249-2442. I am currently doing a few other podcasts, perfectly good podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z where Sylvan Groth and I discuss every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. My Babylon 5 podcast is Last Best Hope for Conversation, where Lou, Karen, and I discuss every episode of Babylon 5 in chronological order. I still am doing Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast, with my brother in time, Charles Skaggs. And then finally, How Many Podcasts, the only podcast on the internet that counts, where my buddies and I discuss pop culture. You can go to our Patreon page and support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can go to our Facebook page, like, and please, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a five-star rating and review for all of the podcasts that I'm doing. It's okay if you don't listen to them. But if you subscribe and rate, it really will make my day better. Thank you, and I will talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only. That listing Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 